Welcome to the Inception Family Wealth Podcast. You asked for more cowbell and you got it. You also asked for more Rick Weiss and you'll get that now too. Right now, part two of my interview with Rick Weiss, Senior Estate Planning Consultant with One Sports and Entertainment Group, as well as a principal with R.A. Weiss Consulting. Enjoy! Well, no, we, we talked uh, a little bit as we were preparing for this episode about some of the things that you see, um, and, and you were sharing a story about prenuptials. We talked about mm-hmm. pet trusts, uh, even mm-hmm. some things that I hadn't even thought of, like uh, uh, storing embryos. Uh, mm-hmm. can, you, can you share with us some of the things that, and, and again, in the context of an estate planning conversation? Sure. Sure. Yeah. The, uh, the pet trusts is an interesting one during the COVID every one of our guys heard that buying dogs. And so we had one client we're working with right now, their um, dog is, has some particular gastrointestinal needs and they're uh, spending about $400 a month on raw food for this dog. So something should happen to both of them and there's a guardian and there is somebody who will look after the children. The dog is very, close to them, very important to them. So what are we going to do? How are we going to look after this dog? And if it's a sister, it's a single uh, sister who is maybe working as a nurse somewhere and not pulling in a huge salary. And they have now the concern of an, of an added child to look after. And this dog that's going to cost a huge amount of vet bills and potential food and other things. So yeah, we, we do establish a, pers- a, a piece of the trust. We don't fund it until we have to, but we establish a pet trust um, and work within that. Uh, work very closely with Sharon Hartum and her great idea with digital assets. I mean, yeah. I, I mentioned earlier that they can very often be targets of cyber um, fraud and, and things of that nature. Very few programs, Facebook, Google, some of them are starting to get into allowing for uh, designations within uh, their specifics to somebody to have access if there is a death. Um, but that isn't really identified yet. So we work very closely with our clients because they all have Instagram and they all have um, social media, um, emails, accounts. So we work very closely with that. Uh, You mentioned the uh, embryo and cryopreservation. That's something that I didn't even really realize and how deep it can get. And uh, I think we talked about earlier, we do have a lot of clients that are transient during their NHL career, post NHL career. A lot of them go over to Europe to play. Interestingly enough, in the United States, and into Canada, you have three different schools of thought depending on jurisdiction of what an embryo is. Some people say it's it's human life. Some states and provinces say that it is respected chattel, so somewhere between. And some uh, jurisdictions say chattel, it's like a dog. It has nothing to do. We're finding that a lot of the fertility clinics don't really have good agreements drawn up to handle so in terms of a death, a lot of the times that is an easy one. They'll say, you know what, if there's a simultaneous death, then we'll destroy the embryos. Um, that in itself brings some um, very, very specific concerns, especially into the states that classify the embryo as human life. Now you're getting into that. Are we allowed to destroy it? But at least we'll cover that off in the will and then let the jurisdiction fight about it. But that separation or divorce one is the one that's not covered in the will, right? So what happens? One party wants 
the embryos, the other party wants them destroyed. So we, we have to find ways of how to deal with that. Um, I, was, I think we were talking earlier about um, Clyde in Quebec. Quebec poses its own kind of estate and family law issues. And so in this particular case, one of the parties uh, wasn't very comfortable with English. So we have to have all the agreements drawn up, both French and English. We have to make sure that they're in the state of California right now, make sure that all of those um, states' laws with, uh, with respect to the prenuptial planning are adhered to. And then we get over to go back and we have to make sure that everybody talks to everybody. So it does get very complicated in terms of the pre and postnuptial planning, but we just have to make sure that we're going to the right people. One thing I think I didn't say right at the beginning is, is so if you're doing that, let's say, for example, the will planning or the post or prenup planning, you're going to look at a lawyer that's going to charge anywhere between $350 and $500 an hour. If you use a clerk, it's $350. If it's the top end lawyer, it's going to be $500 an hour. All of that pre-work is done by me. And uh, I am a free service to our clients. So we're looking at potentially somewhere between five and 10 hours and do the math. Um, that we're saving the client. When we draft the the, uh, the, the documents, we do go to a lawyer. Um, I'll give a little bit of a plug to Holland Hall in Toronto and Jordi uh, uh, Akin, who does the estate planner. Um, and a shout out to Nick, my IT guy, who is just absolutely amazing. Um, I work with their questionnaire, which is fairly all-encompassing. And once we data gather, it then goes to a lawyer. And from that specific they could draft the document. They, they have everything that they do. And then there will be a charge, obviously, for our clients to get the, the document drafted. But all of that research and all of that preliminary stuff uh, that I perform is a free service to our clients. Which is, I think, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't mean there's no value there because the value is tremendous because you're taking the time to build that wheel and, and illustrate that wheel and make sure that, that the starting points on that wheel are the right, uh, the right starting points. I, I was interested when you were talking about the multi-jurisdictional. I mean, we're both members of STEP. We know that multi-jurisdictional uh, uh, estate planning, that the, 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 the um, transient client, if you will, one who's moving between jurisdictions is, is really uh, much more of a modern phenomenon. But for professional athletes, for people who make a career in sport, um, you know, if you've got, if we've got a listener here today, who's got a family member who's maybe rising into that space or is in that space, that is something for them. I mean, as we speak, the NHL trade deadline is coming up. There's going to be right. players that will find themselves playing, you know, on the East coast or the West coast of an entirely different country starting on Monday night. Well, I'll apologize to some of your um, listeners who are hearing the ding, ding, ding going. Um, that's because we've had a number of guys traded over the last couple of days. Um, <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, it is. So I, you're right, Chris. I mean, looking at it from that perspective comes back to one of the, the earlier conversations that we had in terms of that holistic plan and what do you want? And, and the question with our professional athletes that normally you and I don't think about in terms of our own planning is where will you be? And when will that be? So if you are from Cole Harbor, Nova Scotia, and you have been playing for the Pittsburgh Penguins your whole life and have married an American girl, and, and by the way, Sydney is not a client of ours, um, and you have a family down there, but you do want to go back home, now what are we going to do? So in our planning, one of the first things I do from the estate planning perspective is, where are we going to absolutely put home in your mind today? And if they say a Canadian jurisdiction, 
I normally say, do you have somebody? And if they don't, I find somebody. I do deal with Miller Thompson quite a bit because they have uh, law offices all in, in the major NHL cities, but I am open to anyone, specifically someone who does family law. I don't want to deal with the real estate lawyer, no offense, but they may not be um, open to family law as I need. But then we find that and then we say, okay, we've got everything done. Powers of attorney, wills, everything are situated because that's where you're going to go home. Now you're playing for the St. Louis Blues. Let's call somebody in St. Louis. Let them read our Canadian will, and then let's see what we need to do. So for property, for example, uh, we do encourage our clients, if at all possible, to rent, but a lot of hockey players don't like to do that. So they'll buy in the city they're playing. Um, in, the, in many American states, there's something called a TOD, title on, on, on the ownership. So when they have that title, it's not necessarily a will, it could be something that we're dealing specifically that real estate asset. We just need to make sure that the will encompasses all of the assets, right? So I might get the Canadian lawyer to make sure that the American assets and the American powers of attorney or living trusts are taken care of. Or my client might say, look, I married an American girl. My kids were born here. And I, even though I'm playing right now in Canada, I'm going back home to the American city. So then we'll make the will predominant out of the U.S. jurisdiction, and then we'll go across border and say, okay, what do we need to do in case something happens, um, you know, while he's playing or they're, they're here living there. And, and that's the, uh, I think the thing is, is that there's a skill set to this. I mean, um, well, maybe an experience set and, and, and an optical set, you know, uh, uh, you, you, you mentioned uh, in our conversation, like a, a trust is a trust is a trust. And that's, there, there's some truth to that, but, but every, uh, because of your wheel, for example, every client's got their own unique wheel. And then we're kind of spinning that wheel. The dynamics are floating over different states, different provinces, different jurisdictions. And not all of these players end up staying even in North America. I mean, uh, many will go play uh, a few years in Europe, which can be quite lucrative. What's fun too then is, is looking back at it from, again, our holistic approach and Shannon Brown, our uh, manager of concierge services, she's our manager of banking. She does an amazing job, the director of client services. And how are you going to get that money from, you played in Germany for three years, you've made a German salary, you've got a German bank account, and now you're back home in Canada. How do I get my money back? First of all, I don't speak the language. So I just finished helping a couple of clients do exactly that. I speak German. Um, Amory and I have a German bank account because we get uh, back over uh, there quite often. I spent four years working with the, the international arm of RBC and private banking. So I was able to broker the closing of the account in the uh, situation of those um, foreign assets back home. Again, something that doesn't happen in, in everybody else's life, but it happens to our athletes more than you would think. And, and is, is it, um, and again, I, I don't, I suspect I have a sense of the answer, but, but you know, like a, a trust is a trust is a trust. Is a pro athlete's experience the same in one sport pretty much? Like is a pro golfer going to have the same sort of concerns uh, as a pro hockey player, as maybe I, you, you may not encounter as many professional basketball players or baseball players because we're, we're out of Canada, but, um, uh, I suspect there's some unique characteristics within each of these types of sporting ecosystems from an estate planning perspective as well. Uh, absolutely. So with our golfers, you're looking at a couple of different, very specifics. Um, the golfer can incorporate, 
The golfer can pay their caddy. The golfer, uh, when they have camps and use different kinds of um, uh, foundations, which a lot of our clients do have foundations for charitable giving, they are able to do things in a different way. Um, if you look at a professional golfer and then you look at a professional hockey player, specifically NHL versus the PGA or LPGA, the first thing you're going to notice is a whole bunch of different logos on hats, bags, shirts, shoes, anything sure. that can have a logo. And you will not see that on an NHL hockey player. So sponsorship plays a completely different role. And um, the, the opportunities then for planning trusts or not um, are the same kind of spirit but certainly maybe a very different kind of logistic. And with hockey players, for example, is, a, is the, I mean, you mentioned, you know, Stanley Cup rings, things like yeah. that. There's probably a fair bit of memorabilia that uh, any player accumulates during their lifetime. And, and, and this would be true of any successful professional athlete, I imagine. How do you, uh, how do you, uh, have that conversation with your with your clients what do they do with those things do yes. they sell them you know is it uh donated to the local museum what what happens with that so when we're talking about the will um they do nothing right because it's very difficult because they're dead uh, chris chris gets mad sure. at me but I, but i always tell them at the beginning he says don't use this overuse this and that we you and i know where this came from a good friend of ours who's in, in your industry, um, I try and put the fun back in the funeral. So we have that. We have that. You remember that came from Tom Deans, right? So I we do, yeah. yeah. We try and have that discussion and it starts off with, we need at different stages. And I should mention that we're a three to five year review of all of our documents. So we, we constantly yeah. upgrade and renew. But at this point in time that we're having the conversation, the child or children are you know under the age of five, what do we need to do? We need a mountain of cash. So I talk about under the guise of the CEA or under the guise of just helping um, put the, the, the whole documentation together. What are we gonna do to fund these trusts, the pet trusts, the family trust, whatever it is, uh, we're gonna sell stuff. So the very, very first thing I do when I gather the complete list of assets, and again, shout out to the estate planning system, which makes it so easy. Once we have that all in front of us, what's well, a no touch zone? And so if it's that Stanley Cup ring, um, you have one, two, and you have three kids. Now, what are we gonna do? So, uh, and you're, and you're 35 years old and you're playing for a team that's at the bottom of the stands and you may not win another one. So right. a lot of people don't understand that uh, when they win a Stanley cup, they also get a Stanley cup stick pin. Um, and so that's usually given to mom or their wife or something of that nature. It's a pendant or a stick pin, right? And it's, it's got certain value to it as well. So we, we talk about all the memorabilia together and say, don't forget, your executor and I need money to disperse in accordance with your wishes. And that's what this is all about. That's what I start with every conversation. I'm not drafting a will. I am drafting a document that will help you disperse of things and, and take care of things according to your wishes. That's what we call this. At the end of the day, the lawyer is going to call it a will, but we call it a, a, an accumulation of your joint wishes. We do have letters of wishes that we attach to the will um, uh, for the estate executor to open it up. And that is where we talk about things like uh, specific gifts. 
we may we may deal with it specifically in the will. The Stanley Cup brain goes to, but we may also just lump it in together as a specific um, gift. And, and again, though under the letter of, of intent or letters of wishes. And, and again, that is a conversation, and that's one of the toughest conversations. Is what do you want to do with all of this? Gucci handbags, and we've got you know Rolex watches, engagement rings. How do you want to handle them? I had one client who told me with the engagement ring um, that she had two, three boys, and the first one to get engaged, uh, that lady gets the um, engagement ring. Right. Okay, so it's a lottery. It's a race to the finish. I was so. Just <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of the day, I didn't like it, but who cares what I like? It's it's what the client wants, and how are we going to make this easiest? for when that executor opens up that envelope, okay, now what are we gonna do? And that's the conversation I have. The conversation I have is how are we gonna make it easiest to, to, to actually um, honor your wishes? And so again, you have those conversations with things like Stanley Cup rings, sports memorabilia, accumulated um, wares of all sorts, like I said, Gucci bags, things like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the obvious answer is to wait until your career is over. So you know how many Stanley Cup rings you've won and then yeah. have, that, have that many children, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the secret. And now we've got, we've got World Cup. We've got junior championships, yeah. we've got Memorial Cup. We've got all of these things, right? Now, how do you want to deal with that? You're absolutely right. We have a very good relationship with uh, uh, Phil Pritchard, who is the um, curator at the Hockey Hall of Fame. He's the famous guy with the white gloves and all the commercials. Oh, yeah, right. So, yes, there is an avenue for donation there as well. I think I mentioned to you earlier, there's an event that I'm inviting you to. Our, our clients, a number of our clients have foundations. Um, so charitable giving is absolutely first and foremost on, on the minds of how do we do this in its entirety. What would be the, uh, and I often, and, and, and we're, we're, we're coming up against our time uh, uh, for this week, and we're, we'll have you back on the show and talk in a little bit more detail about some of these really interesting things you've raised. Um, and maybe even walk through a mock sort of uh, uh, process uh, sure. with, with a client. Um, sure. Because I think, uh, I, I think there's going to be people listening to this who are saying, yeah, I, I, I would really like to hear more about that. What would be, you know, the, and, and we talked about this a few months ago when we were first thinking about what, how we might like to approach this show. What would be the, the single or maybe two of the most common uh, situations where your client who's a pro athlete's looking back or maybe their parents are looking back across the table at you and are saying, Oh my gosh, I had no idea that was actually how this happens. Um, I'm so glad we worked with you. You know, I'm so glad you helped us see that. Um, I'm sure you see a lot of scenarios like that, but there's probably thematically as far as the state plan goes one or two that, that always seem to crop up that people don't know about. Yeah, I would say probably for the two top sides, um, looking at the estate planning into different um, divisions from the, res uh, from the perspective of the will would be the guardianship. How is this going to work? Who's going to look after it? Um, I had one situation where we're dealing with right now is from a, a community where um, his mom and dad and her mom and dad, the um, backyards actually touch. So they were thinking, well, we'll share guardianship between the grandparents. So, okay, let's, let's talk this through. <laughs> let's see how that's <laughs> going to work. I had a situation where, you know, if it's this, um, I usually, when I look at it from a, I'm a sibling or from a family member, 
they'll say, well, I'd like my sister and brother-in-law to have it. And I'll always have the conversations. Well, let's name your sister because we don't know what that brother-in-law, sister-in-law relationship is going to look like five years down the road. One of the things that they never think of is now you're introducing three kids to a family of three already. So um, do we have a prince and pauper situation where your kids, because you've accumulated such wealth and they have that big family trust, um, get to eat steak while the others are eating mac and cheese, which right. I would go for every time anyway, mac and cheese. Is the <laughs> so, so the conversation about how do we do this equitably and how do we always make sure that, that my, our wishes are being absolutely adhered to. That's the big one in the will. Number two, I would say, is the one that gets overlooked by absolutely everybody. And that is attorneys for the power of attorney, whether that be a living will in the United States or, you know, the, the property one, we have a really quick and easy discussion at this point. And some people out there might disagree, some of the lawyers listening, but I do like to look at it from who is your executor, and then let's see if we can maybe look at that person being the uh, property power of attorney, because it, there is some consistency there. And again, from the CEA, the Certified Executive Advisor Program, it allows us to keep a little bit of consistency there. But it's the personal care one. Um, I would say eight out of 10 of my clients don't even think of that uh, funeral arrangements or, or organ donation. It's a huge issue with my clients with uh, CTE and brain damage and, and injury. You know, what are we going to, what is that sure. thing going to look like, you know, in terms of uh, uh, a, a um, pre end to my career because of injury or something of that nature. Um, a lot of our clients are going through some very, very traumatic things um, either through injury or through end of career. That's why we have somebody, Grant Clipson, who was a uh, NHL player for eight years. Um, he's our director of career transition. He gets into that kind of discussion and the power of attorney or the attorney for the powers of attorney, specifically on personal care. Um, you know, the spouses will be each other's primary, obviously, in most, I shouldn't say obviously, but in most cases, but yeah. who are those alternates? And your alternate may be completely different than your wife's alternate. Your yeah. wishes of cremation may be completely different of their wishes. You know, we start talking about, oh, I know, I'm playing for the Calgary Flames, so I know where my ashes are going to be spread in Banff National. Well, you got to find out if you're even allowed to do that in sure. that particular jurisdiction. So the, the whole concept of what happens um, Again, that whole idea of you're not dead yet. And, uh, you know, it, and it's not just a pull the plug discussion that we have on the uh, power attorney for personal care. It's you're hiking in Machu Picchu with the whole family and we can't get a hold of you on the property side or, or whatever that might be. But generally it is that something has happened and you are unable to act or answer in yourself, but you're not dead yet. Um, and, and so how do we address all of those wishes that you may have? And some of it's been an eye opener between the couple. I didn't know that. Is that really how you feel? And so I would say that's probably the number two discussion, wow. leading them through that whole, that whole process of, and, and that's why we take our time. That's why I can spend 10 hours with a client. I'm not on the clock. I'm not telling them, oh, I need your answer now. Because how many of them or how many of us have actually thought that whole process through? Let's take our time. Let's think about all the particular uh, implications. Give me an answer and I will tell you the, the, a number of scenarios. And I'm, I'm saying to my client right now, um, they're making a decision that I might not necessarily have made. But at the end of the day, I'm saying all I'm charged with doing is give you all the information that you can have at your disposal to make the best decision. At the end of the day, it is your decision, not mine. 
Well, and you raise that, you know, that's really interesting. I mean, I made a number of notes here and, and we're going to have to circle back in another show to talk about that. But, but one of the things you mentioned, like I, I, I mean, death obviously is, is for, from an estate planning what most people think about, but I think they really do undervalue the consideration of, well, what happens if I'm left disabled and then ultimately disabled to the point of not being able to make decisions for myself for, for athletes who, who, um, you know, maybe uh, uh, have a, a bit of a career, maybe get a little bit of money, but not the, you know, not the big ones. They, they have to think about, well, what happens if, if I blow my knee out and, and, uh, and, and I've only played a couple of years, you know, what, how am I going to earn a living? How am I going to, and, and how will this, you know, how, how will all of this body checking that I've been doing affect my cognitive ability down the road? I mean, uh, the, that sort of uh, substitute decision planning, I, I have to believe that's absolutely critical. Absolutely. And that's why we do take that holistic approach again, Grant, being the director of career transition. You know, we do have programs that we can introduce them into either now or later. And the NHL has a great program with the PA with the Players Association in terms of some educational opportunities, um, some things to get ready now, business planning in case you want to open a restaurant, whatever you might want to do, because you may not be staying in the, in the hockey world. Um, here's a number for you, $197,625,000 a year until death, starting at age 60, prorated based on the amount of years you played in the National Hockey League. Um, that's a pension, and it starts at age 60. What if you're done at 26? So you've got a gap now in that whole wow. space period of time before you start earning the pension. And it is, it is a spousal benefit pension too. So she'll, once something happens to you, it continues. Um, and now we should be saying he, because there's a great movement afoot for the women's uh, pro hockey league. I hope that. Yeah. Let's hope so. Yeah. yeah. So the idea. Then is, it, absolutely. I love that game actually. Um, yeah. so, so again, we start planning about where, where will we need to think about, something that not is not necessarily will related but something else related whether that be financial planning and again it comes to the wheel or as you mentioned earlier about that substitute decision well rick i could talk to you all day long and and often have uh but i want to <laughs> respect your time <laughs> people listening to the show are probably saying i can't wait for the follow-up episode on this which we will record um but in the meantime if they want to get a hold of you i will will put some uh, show put some connection points on the show notes. You mentioned you have a blog. What's the best way for people to get a hold of Rick Weiss uh, if they have some questions uh, about the services you provide and the space you occupy? Sure, I would say uh, my email. I'll give you my email right now. It's R Weiss, and that's W E I S as in Sam, S as in Sam, at onesports.ca, one sports, all one word. Okay. And send me an email for sure. I'm on LinkedIn. If you're going to um, ask through LinkedIn and you've heard uh, this information via this podcast, please put that on the message so that I know. Um, I am very, very protective of my clients. Uh, we have to be, privacy is number one for us. Um, that's why I've been kind of alluding to any of the names I mentioned are not clients. So I would not call talk about our clients' names. Um, but but if you wanted to do it through LinkedIn, please just put that in the message. I listened to Chris's podcast and I'd be very interested in connecting. And then I'll direct you to our uh, website if you want to look at some of the blogs I was saying to you earlier, Chris. We have three really kind of cool videos that we did. Chris did one on investing. Grant did one on post-career transitioning. And I did one on estate planning. Um, and it's www. 
www.onesports.ca. www.onesports.ca. Okay, well, Rick Weiss, thank you for being our guest this week on Inception Family Wealth Podcast. Uh, I learned a lot, and I have written down more questions than we have time to deal with. So we're going to have you back if uh, you're open to that. I want to thank you for for spending so much time and um, and and wisdom, sharing your wisdom with us. Well, thank you very much, and thanks for the invitation. And I just want to put in a plug for you. Uh, everybody should be out there getting your book, Chris. Um, I give it to many clients and uh, so a plug for you for the, for the whole, uh, for what you do for your clients. I know succession planning is huge with you in the farm industry and, and you do an amazing job. And as I said, every time I get a chance, I get a copy of your book into their hands. Oh, thank you, Rick. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's good to hear. I, I, the, the initial run, the first edition is almost completely sold out. So, uh, uh, which is, which is nice. Yeah. It's nice to be able to say that now I have to decide if there'll be a second edition and what I do with that, but that's a nice problem to have. And, and thank Absolutely. you for, for, for that. Well, that's it for this week uh, on Inception Family Wealth Podcast. Please join us next week. And thanks again to our special guest, Rick Weiss of uh, One Sports uh, Entertainment and Management. And um, take care, everyone.